If you go to a website and you're going to log in and it wants to check to make sure that you're not a robot, it'll give you like six pictures. And you're supposed to click on the picture and identify the fire hydrants in the picture, identify mm -hmm. the cars in the picture, identify a dog in each picture. Okay, in that process of you authorizing yourself into the organization, a lot of folks don't realize like what you're doing is you're training a model to recognize cars or whatever. You're opting into the training of a data model at the same time that you are logging in to check on your bank account. One has nothing to do with the other, but the company that's yeah. gathering the data that you have opted into qualifying is benefiting from 10 million people who have said, that's a fire hydrant. Even though it's only one little Human small picture input. of a fire hydrant, you now can identify a fire hydrant. So there are that's lots deep. of ways, there are <laughs> lots of very sneaky ways in which yeah. this is why I say you, you can be scared of AI all you want to, but you're part of the, the, the matrix. Yeah. You know I mean? <laughs> Welcome to Super Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm your host, Shahid Durrani. Today we have with us Hillman Sori. Hillman has advised hundreds of fastest growing technology companies on the planet from early stage to IPO. His company, Coach CRM uh, Software, drives individual and team performance through coaching technology and closed loop management and sales frameworks make rapid revenue growth predictable and scalable. What an honor to have you on the show, my friend. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Can you share with us how you got into this realm? What were you doing before this? And then what caused the transition? <laughs> That's a lot there. Let's see. Uh, before yeah. this, I was involved in technology. Cold notes. Yeah. yeah. I was working with technology companies in San Francisco. I was working with a number of startups. We had a couple exits, a couple failed organizations. And I just got really fascinated with the process around how people go to market, how they go about building their companies, how they scale their sales teams, how they compete in the marketplace, how they continue to innovate. And I'm one of those people who I like to work on multiple projects at once. So it seemed to me that a good spot for me would be as an advisor and as a consultant and as an investor, being able to work with multiple companies at the same time and impart my expertise at the time. I can't say I had a ton of expertise. I had a ton of initiative, a lot of curiosity and some experiences of my own. And over time in working with a number of companies and writing a number of books and having some both failed experiences and some successful experiences, I've developed a certain amount of expertise around go-to-market strategy, startup growth, and startup investing. So can you share some of the dynamics behind go-to-market? How do you determine that for a company? Yeah. So go-to-market strategy is really how you go about identifying um, how you are going to take this great new innovation, particularly if you're a startup, a technology startup, how you're going to take this great new idea, this great new innovation that you think is better than what exists out there or fills a void for something that doesn't exist and get people to decide to pay for it. 
everything sounds fantastic when you're sitting at home on your laptop and you're coming up with ideas and you're sitting around with friends and maybe you get some family members who are like, yeah, that's fantastic. And then at a certain point, if you're going to build a company, you got to get a customer, right? A paying customer. That go-to-market strategy is how you literally bring your idea, your innovation, your concept, your product to those customers. And hopefully you have some exchange of value, which allows you to believe that there are more customers like them that exist in a certain market segment, and you can begin to scale your company and grow. Can you share how AI is playing a role in technology, upcoming technologies? Is it going to be something that's going to change everyone's lives? Some people are excited, some are scared. So what is your view on that? Yeah, you should be both excited and scared, as with any innovation. With the cell phone innovation, there were people who were excited and there were people who were scared. Some people thought we were like radiating our brains and some people thought, oh, you're just going to be on phones all the time, which actually has become true. And some people thought, wow, this gets me untethered from the office and allows me a, a whole lot of freedom. And there's this is part of the human condition is that we continue to innovate since fire or the wheel or some other Stone Age tools we have continued to progressively innovate and we remain curious and we are constantly looking to solve the problems of the day. AI is no different than any other technology in that in human hands, it could be used for good, it should be used for bad. And I anticipate that each of those things will probably take place and are already taking place today. The question around whether how it is being how it is impacting technology and how it's impacting business, there are ways in which you're probably not even aware that AI is impacting you. There, it could be something as simple as your search strings being used to more accurately create and predict things that you might be interested in purchasing, right? It's not necessarily that you've opted into this process, but there is some tool that you use every day or some platform that you're going to that is leveraging AI to create a better experience for you. If you've been on a trip, I'm thinking about this because just before our conversation, I was booking some travel and I had a couple questions and I'm old enough to remember the days when I had a travel agent and I would call my travel agent and I'd say, hey, Jane, I have to go to this place. I need a, uh, a hotel that is near the location, but I don't want it at the event because I want to have a little distance from the folks who are there. And hey, make sure we book a restaurant that's somewhere near here. And I'm on this diet where I don't eat whatever. And Jane would take care of it and would fax me over an itinerary with all of my with all of my confirmation codes and off I'd go. And now I'm on a platform and I'm able to do all of that through a chatbot. That chatbot is programmed using large language models and artificial intelligence. And that's something that's great. It's great for me. It's terrible for Jane who now has to find a new path as a travel agent or a new way in which she can make an impact. A lot of folks are concerned about where this is going to end up from the standpoint of job displacement, but in, in the same way that the car displaced the jobs of hundreds of thousands of what do you call those people who put shoes on horses? It's not coming to me right now, but I was going to say locksmith, but that's not quite right. Shoesmith? What are those people called? Anyway, it's not coming to me. I don't, I don't know either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll go look that up later. But just in the same way that innovation displaces people in jobs, this will continue to happen. And one of the other things that's critical for folks in professional careers is to reskill, upskill, and keep it moving. And wherever there is displacement, the universe abhors a vacuum. So wherever that vacuum exists, there is certainly a another plentiful and abundant resource that's created at the same time. What's critical, what's really important, though, is that 
we are training people and making available access to jobs and access to education and access to work and entrepreneurship in this new age of innovation, particularly around AI, so that everybody can participate and it doesn't continue to create an economic divide between the haves and have nots. But one last thing I'll say about that is that AI and a lot of these more generative tools are actually creating greater access for people who may not be coders, who may not have backgrounds in computer science to be able to do some of the things that were specifically relegated to a population of folks that had those backgrounds. So it's lowering the uh, barriers to entry for people uh, around the world. Very good. Yeah, I'm excited. I know AI in the business world, at least, is going to make life a lot easier for every area of running a business. It's going to be more streamlined, create more time for innovations, mm. improvements, better customer service. I'm enthused, uh, but I can completely understand the fear side of things as well. Sure. And I read an article about different paradigms in the past, initial paradigm for business was competitiveness. The second was cooperation. And now the third one they're seeing the future is going to entail more incorporated type, meaning the wave app, the GPS yeah. app, people are participating together to create that app, basically at moment to moment, telling you where the accidents are. Crowdsourced data. Yeah. Yeah, it was the people that are integrated into the company's growth and culture, mm. the customers itself. What do you feel in the technology realm? Do you see that happening where more innovations are going to incorporate everyone into their company? I think that there are spaces where the ability to crowdsource data is critical, can create competitive advantage, and can certainly create better products. I think that to the degree that large language models and huge data sets will continue to define, look at it this way, over the last 20, 30, 40 years, we have amassed a giant amount of information, right? They call this the information age because we are consistently creating information. We are storing that information. That information has become uniformly and ubiqui ubiquitously available. The challenge has been, what is the veracity of the information? If you search for something on Google, you're not necessarily getting the truth. You're getting the thing that Google and its algorithmic gods have decided is most relevant to your search, right? There's no veracity factor saying, yes, this is credible. Yes, Hillman is an authority on this and is telling they, they have means by which they're trying to create some ideas around authority with tracking mm -hmm. links and frequency of posts and those types of things that, that Google does with its algorithm that are, that are fairly complex. But the idea being that there's tons of information. Now, how do we use it? How does this potentially mm -hmm. become useful? This is the way in which if you're looking at aggregate sources of data, the next iteration is how do we begin to query those data sets in ways that are just natural language? How do I say, as you can with ChatGPT, what are the five best questions I could ask Hillman, who is a go-to-market expert, a startup advisor, and an investor on a podcast? You, were, you wouldn't be able to just Google that. 
because it's hyper specific, right? And you'd get a whole bunch of articles that may not be relevant and it'd be about how to do good podcast hosting and how to ask good interviews. It's not necessarily how, what do I do with this specific individual? So I think what we're doing at the larger focus of your question, which is how are we individually contributing to the overall value and competitiveness of a company? I think that contribution may have already been made and now technology is allowing companies to leverage that contribution in a way that it can be reflected in the work that they do. But the input is evolving, isn't it? In what way? The input that they already have from people, it evolves with time. So wouldn't they continuously need that input from people? Sure. And this is where there's simple things. Here's an example. If you go to a website and you're going to log in and it wants to check to make sure that it's Shahed going into this specific website and that you're not a robot, it'll often give you, I, I won't use any specific company names, but it'll give you like six pictures, right? And you're supposed to click on the picture and identify the fire hydrants in the picture, identify mm -hmm. the cars in the picture, identify a dog in each picture, right? Okay, in that process of you authorizing yourself into the organization, a lot of folks don't realize like what you're doing is you're training a model to recognize cars or whatever my other examples were, dogs, et cetera. You're opting into the training of a data model at the same time that you are logging in to check on your bank account, right? One has nothing to do with the other, but the company that's yeah. gathering the data that you have opted into qualifying is benefiting from 10 million people who have said that's a fire hydrant even though it's only one little Human small picture input. of a fire hydrant you now can identify a fire hydrant you know what i mean that's the idea yeah. so there are that's lots deep. of ways there are lots of very <laughs> sneaky ways in which yeah. this is why i say you, you can be scared of ai all you want to but you're part of the the matrix yeah and think about it this way right I leave my house and I'm going to drive to my office and on my way, I'm going to stop by Starbucks. So I enter into Google where I'm going. Now, I've already been part of the matrix of some sort because there's a computer controlling my elevator, which is taking me from you know, my top floor unit down to, the, to, to where my car is parked. That is a computer controlled thing, which is determining based upon this time of day, based upon the number of people who, who need elevators, which elevator I'm going to get. A computer on a network is deciding that for me, right? I then come into my car, I leave, right? And I have a key code, a key card that I use to leave my garage for my building here in Miami. As I press that key card against the pad, it opens. Now it knows Hillman has left the building. A computer has logged that I have left the building. Now I log on to Google Maps and I'm going to make my way. Wow. Obviously, I know how to get to my office, but assuming, right? Yeah. <laughs> make my way to Starbucks. Computer now knows Hillman is going to Starbucks at this time. And also... It is telling me the best way to get there. I don't know. Some computer is deciding for me, this is the path I yeah. went. Now, if there was an algorithm that said, make sure Hillman gets everywhere he needs to go about 15 minutes late, a computer could route me on a route that takes me 15 wow. minutes late. It's going to take me to mm. Starbucks. Now, Google knows that Hillman went to Starbucks at 7.15 this morning. At Starbucks, I'm using my card again. You see what I'm saying? So it's yeah. like, you can be scared all you want to. But unless you are living in like the Unabomber in some cabin in the midst of Montana, <laughs> then you mm -hmm. are part of this situation and you are contributing yeah. to it. So you don't need to opt in the way that Waze tells you click on whether yeah. or not that there's a cop or it's an object happening. on the street. It's happening. Yeah. So it's embrace happening. it and benefit from it yeah. and realize, wow, yeah. this got me to work faster. I was able to order yeah. my coffee in my car and I didn't have to deal with somebody at the gate of my building opening and closing it. 
You know what I mean? That's, that's how I look at it. No, it's good. No, I like that. I like Grant, granted, that I'm awesome. fully opted in. I've given in to the matrix. So, so yeah. there are other people who probably disagree, but that's where I'm yeah. at with this. Yeah, I think they made a movie like that too, where they were just maneuvering the people as sure. they would like them to end up in a specific location. So Absolutely. It, it can be done. It can be done so easily. Well, think think about this. Yeah. Think about yeah. this. It, so here's the negative side, right? Think about mm-hmm. if I were a... If I were a mal actor at Google and I'm upset at Google and I want to ensure that no one is on the 101 in San Francisco during a certain period of time and that I create a traffic jam. Let's suppose that there was like a way one person could get into the Google algorithm and shift or close off a road on Google Maps. How many people would that impact? You could probably upset the traffic flow for a good six, every Uber driver, every, who knows? You could probably upset 60 to 70% of the traffic pattern by just your access to a computer. So I'm, I'm oversimplifying it, but you know what I'm saying? This is very mm-hmm. easy to do. So this is where it's, it all falls back to we are human beings. And regardless of technology, there are, there's good in us and there's evil in us as there has been yeah. since the dawn of time. And that will persist. Yeah. For your company, Coach CRM, how does it differ from other CRM tools? So, Coach CRM, it's a little bit of a uh, it's a little bit of a misnomer. Most CRMs, people think of something like Salesforce or HubSpot or some of the others out there that that are sales oriented CRMs that allow you to attract a customer from an initial conversation through either disqualification or through the stages that are necessary to close a deal. What we look at is the coaching relationship between a employee in an organization and their manager. And we are allowing that manager to increase performance and to impact the performance of an individual in much the same way that a salesperson interacts with their prospect. So because hmm. Within a company. Within a company. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So the goal is that for organizations that have 20 to 1,000 salespeople, the goal is that you likely have managers. Most organizations realize that those managers are the key to performance and in unlocking all of those results and KPIs and OKRs and pick your acronym of things that the organization is trying to achieve. And at the management level, it's tough tough to track the activities necessary to impact that performance on their team. And so being able mm-hmm. to pull that into a system that is Great. bi-directional where an individual can say, here's where I have some opportunities for growth. Here's my progress along the way. Here's some places where I need help. And a manager can say, here are some resources I can provide to you. Here's how we're going to work through this sort of thing together. And here's where I'm going to hold you accountable. That then Mm -hmm. has a significant impact on the overall success of an individual and that manager relationship and the team in general. Good idea. I'm trying to touch up on all your companies because you're a serial (laughs) innovator. Um, So closed loop, what is very interesting is the revenue growth that is predictable. and scalable. How do you achieve that? Can you give us a breakdown? Yeah. At Closed Loop, my partner, Corey Bray, and I have, we've written eight books on sales and sales management. Closed Loop is a sales management and enablement firm that's globally based. We work with companies that range from folks who are in our accelerator that are early stage founders that have got a great idea. They probably got a little bit of funding. Maybe they've gone through something like a Y Combinator or an accelerator and they're trying to find their path forward from a go-to-market perspective, how they can reach their audience and and scale revenue. Uh, We work with them on how to create playbooks that allow for them to do that and iterate quickly and do some scientific testing around ways in which they can either through marketing or sales be able to build 
their revenue trajectory. And then there are organizations significantly larger than that, that we've worked with a lot of these, we've worked with pre-IPO all the way through their IPO, scaling organizations. A lot of these folks are on our website. I won't list, list off any logos right now, but we've worked with over a thousand companies and had some great success in helping teams and individuals to have significant success in either pivoting their sales model, scaling their sales model, maybe moving upstream from selling to small to mid-sized businesses to how you then begin to sell to enterprises, penetrating new marketplaces. Some organizations we work with have been doing a significant amount of acquisition and merger activity. And how do you fold those new products and those new entities into an organization so that you're selling cohesively as one and cross-selling to one another's customers and create, creating greater lifetime value for the organization. So that's really the space that Closed Loop lives in. And Coach CRM mm -hmm. was actually born out of our interactions <laughs> at Closed Loop and understanding how critical that path is for management to be able to impact the individual seller. They go hand in hand. They go hand in hand. That's it. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Instead of creating a version or a package within one company, you created two different platforms. We did. Yeah. We thought that Coach CRM could have better success as a venture-backed company rather than being uh, mm. nested inside of a consulting firm. So I have a gut feeling. Are you working on something really big, your next project? <laughs> I'm always working on something really big in my head. You know, you whether, whether or not it truly becomes really big, who knows? <laughs> One thing on the side of when you reach a certain point in your life, it's time to let, let me put it this way. A really smart person once told me that from 25 to 35, you should make your mistakes, make as many mistakes as you can, fail forward fast, learn what you're about, figure out where you want to go, hit your head against the wall, this sort of thing. From 35 to 45, you should make your money, meaning get entrenched in a career, go deep in that career, develop subject matter expertise, become reputable, and whatever your domain is, go own it. You know what I mean? Then from 45 to 55, you should make your impact meaning this is where you reach along and help folks who are new to their careers to grow. You help build networks of individuals that are helping one another to get to where they need to be, all of these sorts of things. And then from 55 on up, you build your legacy, right? Which is what's going to end up on your epitaph. I'm, I'm squarely in that space of the impact piece. And one of the populations that I want to impact is to be able to provide access to technology, access to access to capital, access to training, et cetera, for folks who may have been marginalized from participating in a technology economy. And whether that's because of socioeconomic reasons, whether that's because of race or gender, whatever it might be, just creating a more equitable playing field for folks to get involved in technology, whether that's as employees, whether that's as founders, whether that's in specific tech-oriented careers from a coding perspective, or if you're on the other side of the equation on the business side with revenue and marketing and admin and operations and things like that. Just really lowering the barriers to entry and creating means of outreach to folks who are interested in technology that may feel as though they that it's unfamiliar or something that they don't have access to. So that's the big project, how we go about doing yeah. that and creating coalitions and, and leveraging some of the network that I have to be able to do that. Thank you for sharing that. And I love the breakdown that you shared as well. That's definitely going to be helping people in the audience, depending on where they are, they could be rethinking their current situation. That's right. That was great. Thank you. Appreciate your time today, my friend. It was great talking to you, learning about all the wonderful things that you're doing. It's exciting, you know, where it's Thank going. You. And I'm, I'm, yeah, and I'm wishing you all the best. I appreciate you having me on the show. Love Super Entrepreneurs.
Thank you so much. Keep in touch. Uh, definitely we'll send you the um, information once we go live. We'll try to publish it as soon as possible. Great. And appreciate you helping us promote it as well. You got it. I look forward to it. Yeah. It's great meeting you. Same here. Thank you.